Yo, yo, yo. Welcome back into another edition of Jake's Takes. I am your host, Jake Masucci, and we are on episode 26. It has been a ride, and this has been so much fun to do. So before we start this podcast, I'd like to thank every every listener I have, because really, it's awesome. It's flat out awesome. I'm really appreciative of your guys' support, and you know, I wouldn't be making these without you guys giving me these constant encouragements, and I'm really appreciative of it. Um, You guys are awesome, so thank you so much for all the support you've given me, and I'm going to keep getting these podcasts in. Today, I am really excited for this episode. I got my guy coming on, Matt Griffin, who, like me, has been in the broadcasting kind of crazed a little bit he's been on tv mostly though he's been doing a lot with cmu with their tv broadcasting and he's been covering sports for a while now and we've been talking nba since since i met him pretty much and um he's a really good friend to aj he's always over for the nba game so we actually watched a lot of the nba finals together and got to sit down and chat about it which was really awesome. It was a lot of fun and we kind of talked about legacy. We got into a couple arguments. So it was it was kind of fun um you know talking about that stuff, getting into the NBA finals and where things land now. And then later on we switched over to the NBA draft. And this is where I'm getting excited for it. We're kind of switching over to that time and for those of you that don't know on this podcast, I really like to get into the draft. I got I had Aaron on to the NF, for the NFL draft, and I thought he re- did a really good job catching everybody up on who we really need to know. And in the NBA, it's different, and we talked about it a little bit. A lot of them aren't playing in college basketball. So a lot of them, you don't really know who they are. And I think Matt did an excellent job in this podcast really talking about those guys that aren't in the NBA. You got Scooter Henderson, who's not in college basketball, excuse me. You got Scooter Henderson, who's in the G League, who's on the G League Ignite. You got Victor Wambanyama. You got Asar Thompson, Amon Thompson. And Matt really gets into each prospect and tells you kind of their game and what to expect and what their weaknesses might be. So I think Matt did a fantastic job talking about them. We really got into the draft really in-depthly, and it was a lot of fun. So... I'm really excited for this episode. It's a long one today, so I'm also making this two parts on YouTube. This is going to be a long audio version podcast, so if you want to listen to it in two parts, I'm going to have an NBA draft part on YouTube and then the NBA Finals reaction also on YouTube. But this is going to be a long podcast audio-wise, so without further ado, I'm going to cue the music. Yo, yo, yo. Welcome back into another edition of Jake's Takes. I am your host, Jake Masucci, and I am super excited for this episode. I'm excited to be joined by my guy, Matt Griffin. What's going on? Super excited for this one. We're going to get back into some NBA. I mean, 
it's it's over. It's sadly it over. It's over. <laughs> Only for a little bit though. I mean, we got the draft coming up, and summer leagues in like three weeks. Yeah, I mean, so all year sport. Yeah, all year sport. I mean, we're always into it. Free agency coming up too, yep. which is like right. a whole sport of its own. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much yeah. <laughs> so I'm excited for that. Um, but. The NBA Finals just ended, and yes. that's what we're going to have to discuss a little bit today. But before we get into that, Matt, I want to talk about you a little bit. Okay. You've been in radio at Central for a little while now. How yep. are you liking it? Yep. Uh, I like it a lot. It's a lot of fun. Uh, I feel like, you know, the more that you do it, the more reps you get, the better you get at it, just like with anything. So I feel like I'm kind of seeing some of those, some of the fruits of that labor a little bit as I, as I continue to do radio or you know tv or whatever i'm doing um so yeah i like it a lot it's a lot of fun i i look forward to doing it and it's a, a cool path to take i think so yeah i mean i was listening to your stuff like on the way to some oakland games i would be in the bus and i, I was appreciate like, it i was like oh matt's got a live ga- <laughs> yeah. live um live show and i was like i'll just turn it on and i mean you and your co-host really yeah, you dive deep, and it's a lot of fun to listen. to. It that. is a lot of fun, yeah. And I mean, we only, we were only doing it once a week last year. I'm hoping to do it, you know, a few more times a week so we can really dive deeper into more stuff because that is what I like to do. Um, but yeah, it was a lot of fun. I felt like you know, it felt like, like it was a show that I was kind of proud of because you get two hours, I can really talk about what I want to talk about, hit everything that I feel like is important, um, and not just maybe go over like the highlights or whatever. Yeah, you know what I mean, I like getting more detailed, detail oriented stuff in that I when I can so yeah yeah I mean especially when you look at sports like the NBA and the NFL too mm-hmm. like that's kind of the best way to dive like to just go into it is to dive deep and like yeah. look at each adjustment in every yeah, scenario I you know I, yeah I think that you can find I mean I think that it's so easy to find just sort of like updates or people kind of talking about a really baseline level um, thing whether it be basketball or football particularly basketball like you know you can turn on first take or whatever and you'll see the storylines um, and but I think that it's harder to find like legitimately good in-depth analysis and not only that like people who kind of like care and actually really enjoy it really enjoy watching basketball really enjoy talking about basketball and I feel like that's something that I can provide to a degree I'm always learning of course but mm. um, I feel like that's sort of kind of what I want to hang my hat on yeah I mean and like looking at the um, TV thing now it's all about really getting that uh, bite getting that real or whatever right, works right. you know and I feel like what you were saying like this is kind of the new wave and like, a little bit yeah I think know, so like looking at people like Bill Simmons and a Nate Duncan and a Ben Taylor you know those guys just dive deep and that's why I've really you know come to podcasting and yeah really like it 100 it's good yeah and I'm, I'm excited to do it for football season two I've got some some stuff planned out start <laughs> writing I think I'm gonna do a little little series on a lot of quarterbacks that I want to look at get some all 22 deep dives and things like that um it's probably what I'll start tomorrow or the next day but it, you know it's been basketball for a while yeah. it's good it's good to get my mind <laughs> off the court like a little bit 100 percent 100 percent well let's get back into the court we got to talk about the nba finals you were over last night i was we watched game five of the finals yeah what are just some of your thoughts like coming to your head about the game last night i mean i think like where you kind of got to start is that it was obviously like a slugfest yes uh, a really defensively oriented game and although it was a slugfest although it was a defensively oriented game we saw an extremely efficient game from Jokic. 
Um, he completely – I mean, he thoroughly dominated the game. He's thoroughly dominated the whole playoffs. And it feels like, you know, that's where everybody's starting. But that's where you got to start. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was one of the better playoff runs that I've ever seen, and I thought yesterday was a pretty good caps, capsule on that. Um, the Nuggets are a team – like, I think it's tough to make their offense slog down like Miami did yesterday. And the reason that it's tough is because Jokic is always going to be able to get good shots. And the Nuggets were missing a lot of good shots, and the Heat were definitely a reason for that. But I think that, you know, it was cool to see – you know, everybody was inefficient. Everybody was struggling except for him. He was like 12 for 16. Um, so I think that that's where you got to start is that they won that game because he was that dominant. Yeah, and it was kind of the whole series where Jokic, like, he couldn't be touched, really. This guy was mm-hmm. sensational throughout the whole series. And the funny thing was is that last night was the first time that I thought his passing was a little off. He had six or seven turnovers. He did. Also, but we were saying throughout the game it where felt like he was making it plays felt too. like he yeah. was making the plays yeah. and the guys had open shots and he could have had like 12 assists. Yeah, I, we so, mentioned that a couple you know. times. Like, it was like, oh, Jokic only has four assists, but I've said six times this game. Like, <laughs> oh, my God, what a pass. Uh, and, yeah, that's a good way to describe it is that he was a little bit sloppier maybe than normal, mm-hmm. um, particularly with his passing. I think you saw Kyle Lowry. He got stripped like twice. Kyle Lowry, one comes to mind from him um in the heat were really physical i think like yeah. i think that that played a part of it they knew that you know their backs were against the wall and it felt like they played defense that way and they played a really good defensive game but you know it's there's only so much you can do and they're not the best offensive team and i think that it came back to bite them 100 percent, and like i mean not having a healthy tyler hero kind of hurt because yeah. that could bring a lot of creation and for things sure of that nature and everybody like, I was texting with one of my buddies earlier. He was like, you think I should take the heat tonight? You know, mm-hmm. like, I feel like they're going to win. They get Hero back. And I'm like, Hero might Hero's not even not, play. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't – for sure. I Hero, I think, would have helped them. And a lot of people kind of have argued about that because obviously they got this far without Hero after being an eighth seed with Hero. Yeah. Um, but I think in this series particularly, because the defense could only be so good against Denver. And Hero is a pressure point for the other team, no doubt about it. However, they did obviously severely like – you know, shot making. And when you're expecting so much out of Duncan and Struess and Vincent, who have been incredible throughout the playoffs for sure. And I like, especially Duncan, I think I've been really impressed with how he's been able to sort of parlay his shooting ability into open looks for other people as well as for himself um, getting to the hoop. You know, he's kind of, he's always had it, but he's really figured out how to use his gravity to manipulate defenses. I think in this particular run, 100%. But they haven't, you know, they don't have the shot makers really that Denver does or that any other, you know, high seed or elite team does and Tyler Hero is their best one and he just hasn't he hasn't been able to play yeah I mean that's 100% true question do you think that if Boston was in this scenario mm-hmm. would this be a longer series would Boston um, have more answers for Denver I think that it'd be a longer series probably because Boston has like I think you feel a little bit more comfortable going two bigs with Boston definitely mm-hmm. feel more comfortable going two bigs with Boston uh their guard play is a little bit better I think and again like you know, the Heat relied a lot on role players making shots throughout the playoffs. They're like, I think, the 29th best three-point shooting team throughout the regular season. Then you get to the playoffs and they're all hitting threes. Yeah. Um, and it kind of felt like that had to come down back to earth. At some point, Boston was sort of the opposite. And, I mean, they could shoot the lights out throughout the whole year. I would anticipate that, you know, that would have continued. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know that, you know, Denver would have had a ton of answers for all the guys that they have. I still would have picked Denver. Um, I still think Denver would have won in six, but I do think that they were like that would have been a little bit more competitive of a series, probably. Yeah, one hundred percent. Like looking at Boston and why I was so curious is they have the ability to use those two bigs and have one and help. For and sure, I think yeah. that w- I think and what the Lakers did was yeah, basically the similar. only thing. But we the Lakers saw. don't even really have the bigs to do. like they they tried out Tristan Thompson. You yeah, know what I mean, and the Celtics you can play. I mean, Grant's not a big, but 
you got Rob Williams and Al Horford you can play. Mm-hmm. I bet Cornette would have got some minutes. Um, you know, they have a bunch of guys that they they have more guys I should say that they can go to. Like the Horford and Robert Williams lineup would have probably been pretty effective against the Nuggets yes. in particular, or more effective than it was against the Heat. Uh, especially um, because Rob Williams does. He plays that free safety role. It's kind of been his thing over the last two years. Um, he was super good at it last year. He kind of fell off with it a little bit this year. You could see it in some of the metrics. He dealt with some injury, et cetera, et cetera. But, uh, yeah, I think that he probably would have done a better job of sort of, you know, maintaining a decent level of defense against the Nuggets, um, especially because Horford, like, he's a guy who's given fits to, like, Embiid even. So, like, uh-huh. guys who can score in the post, it feels like Horford's a good matchup for them. Yeah. Because he's so strong and so smart, um, and so that like that matchup probably would have been a little bit tougher for the Nuggets and the guard play. As I mentioned, they've got guys who can they have guys who can consistently generate rim pressure a lot more than the Heat do, uh, whether it be Brogdon or like Jalen Brown or Tatum. Um, all those guys can get downhill, and the Heat don't have that to the degree that Boston does, especially with Jimmy injured. Yeah, I mean, one hundred percent. Like we just saw it time and time again with Miami. It just did not seem like they had enough. Like you'd see them getting good looks. And they just weren't hidden. Yeah. Or uh, on the def like when Bam Adebayo is taking twenty shots a game, it's not great if you're yeah. Miami. You know, yeah, like sure. and I like having Bam be a part of the offense. Right. But I just don't think he's that guy where it's like he should. He can, you can't rely on him to be your number one score. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. And I just don't think they had enough like no, to compete. Here, they didn't 100%. have enough firepower. Yes. Is, I think what you're trying to say. Yeah. You're right. They didn't. Uh, and. You know, maybe if they had another, like, insane series from Caleb Martin or something like that, then maybe they would have. But, you know, it's tough to expect that to happen again. Yeah, I mean, 100%. 100%. So, looking at – I want to look at the Nuggets and where they rank um, among the past champions that we've seen the past couple years. Yeah. So, let's go back – Ten years. Ten years. Okay. okay. Ten years from okay. now, which I think was Miami's second. Twenty thirteen. Yeah, twenty thirteen. Yeah. So looking at those champions, mm-hmm. where would you put them in the last ten years? Ten years. Oh. Uh you know, it's it's interesting because I think that I think Denver is better than almost any team that would have came in the early twenty like I think that basketball is just sort of evolved from mm. that time. So it feels like the best team now is probably better than, you know, the best team then. However, obviously they have LeBron and, you know, Dwayne Wade, although not quite prime Wade anymore. Um, I, You know, it's interesting. Maybe I'd have to look deeper into it, but it kind of feels like that Heat team was a little bit better. Like, I think that yeah. that's probably fair. Um, really, like, peak, peak LeBron. You know, it's but kinda, it's kind of tough to tough – to Also with me, too, is I really like those 2014 Spurs. Yeah, that was a really good that team, too. That team was uh, tough. <laughs> similar, I think, to the Nuggets this year, like sort of ball movement heavy and, you know, a lot of guys kind of getting shots and – their best player was a big um well I guess Kawhi was the finals MVP but throughout the year their best player was a big mm-hmm. a big who wasn't very flashy I guess and you know the fundamental stuff um so maybe there's some some interesting you know parallels between those two I guess I'd probably take the Nuggets slightly okay just okay. kind of I don't know I mean these are kind of vibes yeah no but I feel like the Spurs, fair enough the Spurs had some more struggles Throughout there, like the the Nuggets just ran through the playoffs. Yeah, right? the I mean, Nuggets ran through the playoffs, but also back then, like for me, I think the West was pretty tougher. stacked. Like, the West it was, was tough. tough it, was, it definitely was tough. Yeah, That's true. I mean, like looking at it too with the Spurs is they won sixty two games, yeah. you know, and just That's ran fair. through everybody, and it didn't even seem close in the Miami. No, series, it didn't. I which, that. but I which think was that tough. Was but... Not the best Miami team because Wade was really sort of a shell. Miami, Miami fell off. It yeah. was really LeBron in that series. Yeah. But the fact of the matter is, is 
I think that was probably one of the most dominant finals like we've yeah, seen. Yeah, true. There was never I remember watching that. Yeah, other than twenty seventeen no, Warriors, which right. I think is untouched. No, you know, that's won. the best team ever. I yeah. Think. Um, but outside of that, like. Yeah, I think I think the Spurs is a like that's a good argument. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, Jokic to me is just clearly the best player because that's you know old Duncan. Yeah, um, and so maybe that's why I'm sort of giving the edge to the Nuggets is just that the Nuggets have the one dominant dominant guy, um, and the Spurs don't. And maybe that's unfair, but I don't know. It's yeah, where I'm at. And then the one two teams I want to look at is Milwaukee in 21. Okay, and Denver because Milwaukee could play a too big lineup yes. on uh, the Nuggets, and I think it would be like an interesting matchup to look at. Yeah, but I would give the, the little to nod the to Denver. But like, I feel like you know, I would too. just looking at that. It was you know I would go Nuggets. I would go Nuggets too. I think that that Milwaukee team really good, and you know Giannis that series was incredible. Super special, one of the better, you know, final series I've ever seen. However, they did kind of have the tendency to slog down in the half court, I feel like. Yeah. And I think it's hard to beat the Nuggets if that is, a th- like, a problem for you. Okay. And I feel like, you know, a guy like Aaron Gordon could have done an okay job stopping out, like, done an yeah. okay job on Giannis, you know, relatively speaking, obviously. And the Bucks back then, they that was before. the So the Bucks kind of changed their defensive philosophy this year to not, like, playing those boxes and elbows and, mm-hmm. you know, giving up a lot of threes. This year the Bucks stopped doing that. But back then they were cool with it. I I don't know, you know. So they probably would have sent a lot of help at Jokic. Yeah, I thought, and like it's just tough to win that way a little bit. Um, I know, like it's tough to win anyway. Like you can't just play one on one either. But there's they were so consistently sending help, and you know you have Brooke playing that deep drop against Jamal. I feel like it would have been that would have been a tough series for the Bucks. Yeah, I mean, I think it would be really interesting and really show us like where Giannis was at at that level because mm-hmm. like we saw it in that um Sun series where he yeah. just dominated and no, there was no answers but Aaron Gordon could be an answer yeah you know? I, and also I remember that series, Bobby Portis had a really really good yes. series yeah I wonder how he would fare guarding any of these nuggets because they true. played him at the five a lot mm-hmm. in that series because Brooke was miss like Brooke couldn't hit and Bobby was hitting so they played Bobby at the five pretty consistently uh, I don't know if you could do that against Jokic yeah be, you know one of the issues yeah no that's that's 100 percent fair and still talking about the NBA Finals, I want to switch over to kind of the Heat. Okay. And, um, like, this run is flat out yeah. sensational. I mean, we're giving them crap now for mm-hmm. not having enough and things of that no, nature. No, and they didn't, but, I mean, they really, like, played their cards well. Yes. Like, they, they maximized <laughs> what they could have done. Exactly, for sure. exactly. This and is a, a 100th percentile outcome for the Heat. Yeah, I mean, this is easily the best upset run we've seen in the nba right in a while yeah well 2000 knicks 2000 went knicks to the, went yep. to the finals as an eight seed if i'm not mis- 1999 or 2000 i think it was 1999 they played right. the spurs and i think it was 99 to 2000 yeah sure. i think i think you're right i think um, you're right so they they went to the finals as an eight seed that's jeff the only van one gundy other. jeff van gundy, jeff van gundy. Yep. <laughs> it's the only other one that comes to mind uh but yeah like especially because i mean i wasn't alive then so i wouldn't have had like an opinion <laughs> on the knicks going into the playoffs exactly but now I know that I was pretty heavily like the Heat just aren't good this Me year. Too. Like, Me too. Me too. I was pretty, pretty, you know, consistently just like there's no chance that they win anything. <laughs> and I get that people were like worried about you know they have the championship DNA or whatever because they've been and they have Spolstra yeah. and Jimmy or whatever. But I was just like, yeah, like it just straight up can't shoot. Exactly. <laughs> like, it just exactly. Is what it is. That was my whole thing when they were in the play in. I was like, I mean, I'd rather see the like. I was like, I've seen Bucks versus Heat. I saw it. You know. Like, the Bucks are going to kill them. I, like, you know, I don't think that they have a chance. And then Giannis goes down, he gets super hot, and the rest is sort of history. I know. I mean, like, this heat run for me is just flat out – it's crazy because mm-hmm. – 
they pro they could have lost to the Bulls and just been out of the playoffs. They absolutely could have lost to the Bulls. <laughs> they lost to the Hawks in yeah. the play. And I remember, like, I was on radio, like, you know, before the playing or whatever, and I was like, I mean, I'd kind of, like, I think the Bulls have a way better chance of winning a game <laughs> against the Bucks than the Heat do um, because, yeah, I don't know, I just believed in the pull-up shooting or whatever, and that wasn't the case. I mean, for me, won a couple. for me, where the Heat lost me was losing to the Hawks. And they, I picked the, I picked the Hawks. I, I, I said if the Heat got the seven seed, I'd be looking at them because I thought really? they were a good matchup for the Celtics. I really thought they were a good matchup. Well, you ended up being right. And, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I kind of thought I they would. I kind of thought they would beat the Celtics. I, the Knicks. I thought the Knicks could do some stuff because Brunson actually attacked the zone. I mean, Jokic attacked it better than anybody. Brunson had a Brunson good. Brunson played really well. Yeah, yeah, he did. He had a really good series. Randall's, you know, playoff struggles seem pretty apparent now yeah. after a couple a couple of appearances. So that's kind of where where they lose you a little bit. And I think that the Knicks, you know, to me, their strong point throughout the year was their bench was that they had depth with guys like Quinn Grimes and quickly coming off, you know, con- pretty con- you know coming off the bench pretty consistently and just playing really well. Like it felt like they had the best bench unit in the league to me. Hartenstein as well is probably one of the you know premier backup bigs in the league um and those guys didn't really show up to the degree that you wanted them to either uh so you know the knicks i didn't expect them to beat the Cavs. to be fair to them so i guess they they sort of i was really high on the Cavs if you if you remember i wasn't super high (laughs) i wasn't super high on the Cavs, but yeah i I picked them against the knicks and i was like they'll lose round two but yeah i mean i had i had the Cavs in the finals i love really i loved yeah i remember i loved cleveland Um, i understand like their metrics were really good i think that they led the league in net rating yeah Uh, they kind of met a lot of the check marks i just worried again their half-court offense i mean two bigs yeah, can I, be a problem. I a talked bit. about it a lot on my podcast how I love net rating and it's like literally my favorite stat. Yeah, they were number you know, one in the league, right? And they were. I think they were two. Oh, were they? And they um, might have finished. yeah, I think they. I don't know where they finished, but um, you know, like they were. I just thought with Donovan Mitchell playing at the level he was before the playoffs coming mm-hmm. in, he was torching teams. He was. Yeah, he had a really teams. good back like last three weeks, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I was just like. If this guy's playing at this level, like, how do you stop them? Especially with Garland playing well and things mm-hmm. of that nature. Mm-hmm. But, like, I talked about on the podcast, Evan Mobley in the short role wasn't good. Jared Allen played really bad. You know? Yeah, Allen in particular, and, I think, struggled. And Mobley struggled offensively for sure. Yeah. I thought that he had a really good defensive series against I the agree. Knicks, though. I agree. Um, and that kind of got lost in the shuffle. He was actually my pick for defensive player of the year. Okay. Um, and I love it. I really do like Evan Mobley's game. But Me too. Yeah, he, Me offensively, too. he was... He, he struggled, and on the boards a little bit, too. I think him and Allen were, were disappointing Yes, Mitch Robinson. Yes, 100%. All right, let's circle back to the finals a little right. bit. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> but um, we were talking about the Heat, and I want to talk about Jimmy Butler legacy-wise. Okay? Okay. So now, now that he has made two NBA finals, yeah, and he's really weird because he's not the best regular season player, and it's, a really, interesting, it's really interesting to compare him to players – of like past generations. Yes. But that is hard. Um like would you put him as a top 50 player all time? Uh that's tough. Let me pull up my list. Let me see. Let me see who I got at 50 and I'll, I'll Because I mean, looking but, at it, looking yeah. at it right now like I feel like you have to put him in your top 6 at least in the NBA right now. Top 6? I think that he'd have to be number 6 if you put him in I your think, top 6. Yeah, I no, feel like the I top was, 5 is where, who would you have as your top five, though? Okay, so just Jokic, Giannis, Steph, I think, are the top three. Yes, I agree doubt. with that 100%. And then I think it's Luka and Embiid at four Luka and Embiid, okay. And you're, I feel like see, all those guys. See, you're higher on Embiid than 
Maybe. I am. Um, and that's just because I've always been lower on Embiid because I don't think his play style has led to winning. He just hasn't gotten past that second round, you know? Okay. So I actually put – Um, I think – where did I have it? I think I had Jimmy 6 mm. and then Tatum 7 and then Embiid. So you have Tatum over Embiid too? Yeah. Oh, uh, well. Well, I would disagree. <laughs> uh, I, I think Embiid's just a lot better. Like – Particularly both with Jimmy and with Tatum. I understand there are definitely limitations right now to what Embiid can do in the playoffs. And part of that is that he can't stay healthy, mm-hmm. it feels like. And I think that if you're really accounting for that, then yeah, that's probably fair. Um, however, I do think that if you're starting a whole season, like Embiid's, you know, he just had one of the best scoring seasons ever. That's you fair. know what I mean? Like he's 33, like 33 a game on ridiculous efficiency. And he's a really good two-way player. Like, he has a pretty strong defensive impact. I agree that there's limitations to his game and in the playoffs that those kind of show out a little bit. But I still think that, like, you can watch him and watch him sort of just bend the whole defense his way. Like, you have to really, really account for him in a way that I don't think you do with Tatum or with Jimmy. Um, And I think that defensively, both Jimmy and Tatum are really good players defensively. However, I think that the impact that Embiid has as a rim protector is probably higher than either of them can reach as a wing. Yeah, I mean, seeing, uh, like, thinking about that for me is really, I just look at players and how they impact winning, you know? Right. And No, I, I get that. Yeah, yeah, I mean, 100%. And with Tatum and Butler... Like, I just constantly see these guys, and they're getting to the stage. They're getting to the Eastern Conference Finals every year. Tatum's been there, what, like five straight years now? To four the straight years? Yeah. Um, yes. J- Jimmy, Butler, right. Jimmy Butler's made uh, the NBA Finals now twice um, right. in the past, what is it, three years? Um, and four. Four years, yeah. And, like, these guys, they're getting their team to the next level, and especially with Jimmy Butler. Like, we just talked about how lackluster this team was. Yeah. You know, and how it's probably – Looking at the team, maybe the worst NBA Finals team we've seen in a long time. Yeah. You know, looking at the team as a whole. I think and then fair. And then looking at Jason Tatum, he's so young at the moment. Everybody talks about that, so I don't want to be the guy that says He's 19. That. <laughs> he's 19, 19, exactly. But um, with Tatum, I feel like we're just not respecting how he's always getting his team to at least the Eastern Conference Finals or at least to the NBA Finals, you know, and he's gotten to that step where he's made the NBA Finals and, you know, he hasn't fulfilled that goal, but Embiid's now, what is he, 28? Yeah, and we haven't so. seen him make that next step. You're right. And for me, like, looking at the NBA um, playoff preview, I did it with Drew Comer, and I said the two people with the most pressure going into these playoffs is Nikola Jokic and Joel Embiid. They were the two people with the most pressures because yeah. they had to take the next step, you know? I hear that, and I understand that. I guess that my counter would be like, so at least with Tatum especially, I'll, I'll focus on him a little bit. To me, okay. I think that he has similar limitations to Embiid to where, like, I'm not quite sure that he's the – he's a first op- – like, he can lead your team in points and things like that, but he's not the premier playmaker that I think you need to be to be a number one okay. on a really, really good team. Yeah. Um, or, like, on a great, great team. And I guess they were a great team. However, I also think that – and they were a great team throughout the year, don't get me wrong – um, I thought that they were the second best team throughout the whole season. Me too. Me too. However, to me, like a big piece of that is the fact that to me, like the the Celtics just have the best group of role players in the league, and I don't. Yeah. Even, I don't even think it's close. Uh, and they're super deep, and all the guys can hit threes, and all of them can play defense. And I think that we can tend to overrate winning a little bit when you think about who is the guy that 
averages the most points on the team. Yeah. Like Tatum does average the most points on the team, but I don't think that he's like the sole contributor or like the sole reason that they're that good. Which or is even fair. the reason. Like that's fair, yeah. I think that, you know, that team has an elite defense and they have for the last couple of seasons when they made these deep runs. And, you know, Tatum is a piece of that. Don't get me wrong, he's a really good defender, but he's not the whole thing. And that's just as much a reason as to why they're winning games as their offense. You know yeah. what I mean? So I, I don't necessarily like yes, he definitely impacts winning on a really high level, and I think yes, he's definitely a top ten player. I wouldn't consider him to be better than Embiid because I don't like if I were to just break the game down a little bit and just be like, hey, who's a better offense? Like, who would you rather build an offense around? I'd say Embiid. Who would you rather start with? You know, to have a really good defense, I'd say Embiid. You yeah, know what I mean? Which is and I fair. think that when I, you know, when I just think about it that way, like, yeah, like he, Embiid had Harden, who struggled in the playoffs again, and you know, maybe if he had a little bit better of a playoff run, they would have made a run. Mm-hmm. And you know, he has a decent group of role players and a lot of guys that can hit threes and they, they hit threes throughout the season. I don't think that they're on the level of the guy, the others that the Celtics have, like they don't have the role players, you know, like Derek white would be there. You know, Derek white is an incredible player and Rob Williams and Grant, like all these guys would definitely play for the Celtics or for the Sixers. I'm sorry, but the Sixers kind of struggled to find more pieces off the bench. Like uh, Jaden McDaniels, probably not quite um, Niang, probably not quite like only for spurts. He's, you know, got his limitations and it doesn't feel like the Celtics quite have that. Yeah, I mean, which is 100% fair and um looking at it looking at it I I've, I've always looked at uh Tatum and I'm like this guy's just incredible shooter and in the big moments it seems like he always like has stepped up. You know, game 7 before that last yeah, game. Yeah, but the seven rest of the series injured. he's never as good. Yeah, which is fair, but um there's but I a, think that I I value them all equally. Yeah, but like James Harden's always had that knock too. He where, does, yeah, you know, he, he's on and he deserves, and then I think he deserves off, it. You know, but Embiid doesn't get that knock as much either, but he has the same problem. Yeah, but he doesn't have the problem to the degree that Harden does, I think. And part of the issue with Harden's problem with that is if he's if he is off he's not giving you really anything do you think Say Tatum that, has the Harden problem no no not yeah. quite that um but it, we have seen him like struggle like the Miami series he was really bad for a lot of it yes and last year in the true. finals he was really bad for a lot of it so it's two years in a row that he's kind of flustered out of the playoffs with pretty bad series um and I think Jimmy also like compared to him beat Jimmy had a couple of rough series too and you look at the rest of the team and say hey these guys aren't great but like they all stepped up and played great yeah you know what I mean and that's what really matters like Caleb Martin wasn't just Caleb Martin for that series. He was a 20-point-per-game score, really efficient. He was creating for himself. It wasn't all just, like, open threes or anything like that that were being generated by somebody else. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that you have to account for that, too. Like, it's not just the names on your team. It's how they play. That's true. That's 100% true. For me, it's just difficult to put Embiid there just because uh, Tatum has beaten them so many times in the playoffs as well, you know? Well, I mean, (laughs) then why why would you have, like, Luka? Luka, Luka... I feel like it's just him, like, what he did last year is okay. really the main part of it. Yeah, I like, get that. With But that then this team, year, but I mean, if you're just looking at this year, though, right, like, they didn't make the, and I, yeah. I still had Luka first team All-NBA. I'm just asking from your standpoint. Which is which is 100% fair. I like, I think the Mavs, that, I think the Mavs screwed him. I think so, too. I would, ag- I would agree that the Mavs did a really bad job. Um, and, you know, the rest of the team did a pretty bad job throughout the year, and I feel like Luka did his job throughout the season. But I kind of feel like, you know, Embiid still was, like, not – he wasn't as good as you were hoping that he was, but he wasn't, like, a disaster, disaster throughout the playoffs, and it feels like the other guys could have definitely played a little bit better and up their performance, and then it might have taken some pressure off of him. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. With like, Embiid, he was still 23-12-ish, I think, in that last series, and played really, really good defense, I thought. Yeah. Like one of his better defensive series ever. Yeah. Eh. 
I mean, at the end, they were attacking them. You know, they game were, seven, yeah, they game attacked seven, them game like seven crazy. They were. Game seven, they were. And it just puts a bad taste in my I'm, I, I've always been critical of Embiid, and I think that's just a flaw in me. Because yeah, he's I'm very critical. good, I think, and I I need to start giving him more credit than I do. Maybe I like maybe. you're you're one you're you're showing me that one hundred percent. I just think to me, I would rather have Jason Tatum right now than Joel Embiid because I also think Tatum can add some things as well. Okay, and become a better player. I think Tatum, I think Embiid can improve as a passer, and like it's not just recognizing double teams. I think that his ball placement has to be better on passing out of double teams, and he's getting better at that every year. And I, I hope that he continues to because I do think that that's necessary for there to be like an elite offense around him in the playoffs, probably at least definitely necessary until he can become like the best player in the league. And maybe Nurse helps with that. I don't know. Uh, I guess we'll see. But uh, I would disagree. I think I'm lower on Tatum overall. Period. Than everybody. That's what. But this is fair. the highest I've ever been on him as after the season. I think that he really improved this year. After last year, I was like, you guys are all kind of yeah, yeah, going nuts. All right. Well, we talked about that for a long time. We did. So, which is which is okay. I yeah. love it on this podcast. Oh, oh, I, I pulled up my list. My fiftieth oh. best player. Oh, See let me hear it. Than Jimmy let me Butler. hear it. Um, this hasn't been updated in some years. Okay. So I don't. This did still wouldn't be up there. But okay. 49th because he'd be I'm sure that like you know Jokic is probably below this on this list or whatever yeah 49th and I'd probably revise this and maybe I'd have this guy higher if I redid it but 49th is Dwight Howard Dwight Howard and I think Dwight okay. Howard is definitely better than Jimmy Butler okay okay yeah I kind I kind of like that I think it's hard um I would agree with that I'd probably have Dwight higher higher if I redid that list but that because that was some years ago yeah I mean Dwight Howard was such a good def- Yeah, Yeah, I mean, he's the best. He's like the second best player in the league. Yeah. He's really good. I feel like it's hard, like, to not put Jimmy in in that discussion, though. I I feel pretty confident. Like, who is, like, your 55? 55 is, well, I guess now it'd be Ray Allen. Ray Allen. Yeah. And I would have Jimmy over Ray Allen. Ooh, I don't know. That'd be close, but maybe. I think I'd have Jimmy over Ray Allen. Just, again, like, for me, Ray Allen was the number one in the Eastern Conference Finals, I want to say. Yeah, for me, again, it's about. Building your team up and uh, creating a winner out well, of it. Okay, that's that's a lot of. I'll say that's this, a lot though. of how. You know, how would you I'm value the fact that you could add Ray Allen to any team that already has stars and he'll be just as impactful as if he were the number one? Whereas with Jimmy, if he's like your third guy, he's not quite as good because like he. Well, we haven't know, really seen Jimmy and that. stuff like that. We haven't well, really seen with Jimmy Philly. in that role. And with Philly, he was. But did you see everybody else fall through? Yeah. And no, you're right. Struggled. Well, you know, Jimmy struggled in that series a little bit too. Yeah, I, I but remember. he showed up late. You're right. You know? And you know, I, I think. Yeah. No, you're right. I guess I don't know. I was looking at that game seven. And Jimmy, like even, Jimmy and Jimmy and Embiid both didn't have great games. Yes. Yeah, is, okay. Is that, what happened. That's fair. And yeah. um. Like looking at Jimmy in Chicago, like we didn't get to see it because yeah, uh, that's Derek not, Rose got injured. But why would you, know? you ever? I guess okay, then maybe I'll add, like when Jimmy's thirty-seven, will he be as important as Ray Allen? Like, will he be no, as good? No, one hundred percent. Okay, but like again, I think that Ray Allen age. I is think better. it's Ray Allen. Jimmy might like, peak higher. Jimmy's maybe peaking higher right now. Exactly, and maybe. that's where I'd have to look. That's where it. I'm ranking. You know, okay. if I'm ranking somebody and want. Like who am I gonna do one year? I need to make oh, well, the one year peaks. Final. I guess is different than yeah. yeah. Maybe you want Jimmy, but yeah. So it's interesting. I mean, that's a different difficult conversation. You know, just the way you look at it. All right. Well, we're gonna take a little break, okay? And then when we get back, we're gonna switch over to some NBA draft talk. Hello, hello. This is Giovanni Mosheri. You might have heard me a couple times on Jake's takes. 
I am the sports media director of Oakland University's campus radio station, WXOU, and I've been the host for about two years of a weekly sports show called The Jomo Show, where we cover all of Oakland University athletics, including a weekly update on scores and highlights, as well as interviews with athletes or those otherwise involved in athletics. You can listen to The Jomo Show live on WXOU Thursdays at 6, or you can tune in to me afterwards on Spotify. It's The Jomo Show. All right, welcome back into the show, and we're going to switch over to some NBA draft talk. Mm-hmm. Um, I did a lot of NFL draft talk when I was yeah. going, and um, yeah, I did, I did too on on the radio. I got in some, we got in some, I got some real arguments after the draft, <laughs> some real ones. <laughs> yeah, um, so I always like really um, giving the audience like the players and like what they're about, just to kind of you know show them what they're about, especially with. Uh, NBA where yeah. it's like not all of them play college basketball right especially with a lot of these guys so um what we'll do is I actually asked you to come up with your top five prospects top five I thought yeah. it was top three but I can give okay you top five okay too. okay I mean I'm sure you have that ready I so. do I do <laughs> let me think a little bit yeah okay all right I'll uh I think we could do that okay all right um and then I have my list so if you want you can look up you can you can look at mine, but, no, um, but, um, yeah, so we'll go through like some of the top five prospects and we'll just talk about them, talk about their game, what we should expect and yeah. who you really like coming out of this draft. So who is your, let's just go with your top three. My number wanna, one. Yeah. Uh, well, my number one's Victor Wembanyama. Of course. Obviously. Of course. Uh, the best prospect I've ever encountered as I was only one years old when LeBron got drafted. Um, yeah, everything I've known about him since he was like 13. Yeah. Like, like he really is that guy, and it's been really fun, honestly, just kind of seeing everybody learn about him. I think that's been a really fun part of this whole draft process is seeing more and more people throughout the last year realize how good he is and yeah. like the things that he can do and how special. Um, along with number two, Scoot for me, I feel pretty confidently in that. Like, I think that tier one is Wemby by himself, tier two is Scoot by himself to me. Okay, um, and that might change. The more that I look into it, I have to watch more Scoot. I will say that, like, I really want to watch some more and lock in on what he does defensively because yeah. I feel like I don't have a great feel for that yet. But I mean, he's just so smart. He was killing G League guys when he was seventeen. Like, he, he's pretty special. He's going to get to the rim anytime that he wants. I think that he's a way better shooter than people give him credit for. I think if you look at the pull up two percentages, they're really good. If you just kind of look at just the catch and shoot three percentages, they're really good. He added hand hand injury this season, so some of his percentages went down, but he played through it. Really good free throw shooter. He's got a lot of things going for him as far as uh, you know shooting projection. Okay. And so I feel pretty yep. confidently that he'll be a good three-point shooter and an incredibly good mid-range pull-up shooter in the NBA. Um, and then my number three, another guy that's in a tier by himself, is Amon Thompson. Okay. Um, and that's kind of where I think that I differentiate from a lot of people. It feels like Brandon Miller is kind of the guy that a lot of people have at two or three. But to me, Amon Thompson is as ex- – like he's closer to Scoot, I think, than he is to four to me. Um, and I think that he's – Seems like he's sort of in play for the Pistons, like he might fall to five, and I'd be ecstatic. Okay. Uh, I think that this is a guy who's, you know, six, six and a half. He's probably, he'll be six, seven in shoes, basically. Um, he can't shoot. I, like, I'm fully, yeah, full disclosure, he cannot shoot. And I understand that. However, he's the rare prospect that, to me, like, he doesn't even need to be able to shoot, and I think he'll be an all-star, Like okay. even if he never develops any type of jumper because he probably comes in the league legitimately as the best athlete in the league, like day one. Wow. Like, I, don't, I don't think that that's an over-exaggeration. Um, he is all different types of an athlete, too. Like You think about, you know, athletically, like I think that our first 
first we go to like running and jumping basically and he's got both of those he's just you know quick as lightning like legitimately the first step is absolutely ridiculous you don't see it almost ever especially not guys who are 6'6 um the vertical is insane like the vertical pop he gets off the ground so fast he has a second jump um, and you see that, especially on defense, like as kind of a rim protector. And he's a point guard, mind you. Like he can legitimately protect the rim at a pretty good level. Um, and he's also got like the flexibility, like the ankle flexion and like the coordination sort of that part of being an athlete that you see more in guys like like Luca sort of, you know, starting and stopping. Like Amon's got every piece of that like SGA has, for example. So I think that when you put all of that together, he's as good of an athlete as we have in the league, especially at his size. I don't know that we've seen a blend of this athleticism and size since like LeBron legitimately. Wow. Um, just like just being six, six plus and being that athletic. Like, I don't know if we've seen that since then. Um, ben Simmons is the other guy that kind of comes to mind, like 6'10", how athletic he was. Um, but he's got a pretty good handle. I think it's got to get tighter. That's definitely one area of improvement. Um, the other area of improvement, obviously, is the jumper. And mostly, like, I really hope that he adds a floater. I think that mm-hmm. that, is, that is probably, like, day one what I want a coach to work on him with is just getting a floater. But um, the other selling point is that he's probably, like, a top three or four passer in the draft. Yes. So you okay. put together a guy who's going to be in a – to me, like a really, really good defender, um, an elite passer. Like he's a huge, he's like a supercomputer basically offensively. He's always processing on the move, and he's going to be the most athletic guy. And he's big. Like I don't see any way that this dude fails. To me, like he's just got so much going for him. Um, and you know, if he even gets a semblance of a jumper, like it's done. And we've seen guys who I thought like coming into the draft, he can barely shoot, and then he yeah. turns into a really good shooter. Tyrese Maxey is the first one that True. comes to my mind. He's like forty three percent this past year. Um, so yeah, I feel really confident in Amon Thompson, both sides of the ball, six, 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 seven. So I feel like, you know, for example, on the Pistons, like him and Cade could play the one in the three, but honestly, like, I don't know who plays the one because I'm in such a good passer and he's going to be able to get to the rim literally whenever he wants. And I'm really excited to watch him. That's a guy that I've got circled to watch all of next season. Yeah. Um, fourth is where it gets tricky. I think four through like nine probably are in the same, same tier, four through eight for me. Uh-huh. Um, I think for now I'm going to go with his brother, Osar, who's okay. a pretty different player. Not quite the athlete that Amon Thompson is, however, still very athletic. Um, and a better shooter for sure. Like, I think he shot 40% throughout their playoff run. Um, and a lot of people talk about the competition that they played, and I get that. OTE is not good competition. However, they have also played a lot of games against overseas pro teams, like uh, the Adelaide 36ers. I don't know if you remember, but they yep. beat the Suns in the preseason. They played them. Um, they played Mega, which is where Jokic came from, and Jovic also. Um, they played a couple of those teams. They played in the TBT, the basketball tournament, which is full of overseas pros. And they played. They were pretty exciting in that. That's how. I, that's like the first time that I watched them was in that. Gotcha. Um, and yeah, I, so like, and they played really well against like stiffer comps. So I, I feel, you know, is it hard to judge guys off of like OTE games? Yes, a little bit. Um, but I do still feel pretty confident that Oscar Thompson is going to be a pretty good player. Um, he's similar, like he's got really good passing, but he's not a lead ball handler, so it's a little bit different. He's more of a connector, connective passer. Uh, and the thing that excites me the most about Oscar Thompson is that he, like, he's going to completely change your offense in the way that you're going to play fast. There's no way. Yeah. So I think that one, obviously he's really athletic. So in the open floor, you know, just naturally that's going to kind of come to him. But also I think that he's the best transition passer in the class. Okay. That is my one thing. Like I think hit ahead passes. He's so smart. He's going to get the rebound and get it up the floor. And he's really good at playing under the rim also as a defender, like coming over weak side rotations, stuff like that. And that's stuff that I really value and things that really excite me. Um, And so he's definitely a different player than his brother. I hope that people understand that. Um, But, 
and he's worse. Like he's never going to be the the top, like the lead handler, I think, or like the lead guard that Amin will be. But he does have a pretty good handle. Um, if there's one area improvement for him, I think that he'll be able to shoot. So I'm not as worried about that. But it feels like he shies away from contact a little bit, and I think that that'd probably be something that he has to do to take the next step. Uh, now, fifth place is where it gets tricky for me. It's definitely between a couple of guys, but I think for now. I'm going to go Jairus Walker. Okay. And to me, it's between him, probably Taylor Hendricks, and Brandon Miller for this spot, uh, but and Cam Whitmore. But I think I'm going to go with Jairus for now. I think that he's just so smart that, like, his or his ceiling is really, really high. Yeah. Um, maybe not because, you know, he's, like, the flashiest guy or, like, the crazy athlete. He is a really good athlete, though, for his size especially. He's, like, 250, but he's still extremely bursty and extremely, like, an extremely good vertical athlete. But he's such a smart player defensively and offensively. Like, you see a lot of pa- pla- passing flashes at Houston, and you can even watch some of his high school stuff where he does handle the ball a little bit more, and you'll see some of that. And he's playing really good high school competition. He went to IMG. Um, so, like, there's definitely stuff maybe that might be untapped. Um, I worry a little bit. Like, I wish that he was like two inches taller. He's only about six seven. Yeah. But I, like, it wouldn't surprise me if he was just like the perfect four for a really good team. Like, he's going to be such a good passer and such a quick processor that I think that maybe even if the jumper doesn't come with him, he only shot like thirty four percent on pretty low attempts. Um, even if that doesn't come with him, he'll be an effective player. Yeah, I mean, one hundred percent. And you going through um, all of those, all the names, and I was like, man, like. You really did your homework. I do, yeah. I, I like the draft a lot. I haven't gotten super deep into it, but I, do, I haven't gotten super deep into it, like in the term, in the fact that I haven't scouted a lot of like the second round guys at all, or uh-huh. even you know some of the late first guys, which I'll probably do in the next two weeks, um, hopefully. But yeah, yeah. At the top of the guys that I think the Pistons might get, I have which, I've done my homework on. One hundred percent fair, and like so, you want Amon Thompson? Yes, right? yeah. I think that that's easily like. That would be the best case scenario to me. And are you worried about like his non-shooting ability? Or? Sure, like for sure. I think that like to be a superstar, he mm-hmm. needs a jumper. But if he gets the jumper, he'll probably be a superstar. But I think that he could be an all-star level guy without the jumper. Um, like it's just so like he just has so much kind of going for him. Like just, I know he's one of the fastest players in the draft. Absolutely, the yeah. yeah. He's as quick as anybody. I think he's the again the best athlete that I've ever like seen come through the draft. Probably, um, like. Jaw level, but he's like five inches taller, I guess, uh-huh. is kind of the way that you could describe it. And he's just such a good, like, problem solver around the rim. Like, sort of like Shea, how he can kind of bend and contort his body and finish in weird ways that maybe don't make a ton of sense, but you can pair that with, like, a 44-inch vertical. Um, I, th- I think he's going to be so exciting and so much fun to watch and such a good player, like, relatively quickly. I think people think of these kids as projects, like the Thompsons in particular, because of who they played. But I think that with that athleticism and that level of basketball IQ, it's hard to fail, probably. Yeah, yeah. I mean, looking at Amin and Asar, like, definitely the question mark will be the jump shot. 100%. A little bit, yeah. I think I feel confident that Asar will be, like, an, a decent shooter. Yeah, I'll say that much. And Asar, he won the MVP of the. Uh, yeah, he did. I don't. I never felt like he was better than his brother. <laughs> he just kind of took more shots, I think. But yeah, he did win the MVP of the overtime. Yeah, league. and um, I mean, they're looking at them as prospects. Like they've been, like there's been sometimes where Amon's been ahead, and sometimes where Asar. I think Amon to me is like clearly the better prospect. Yeah, yeah just because of the point guard ability and the playmaking ability, mm-hmm. and then I actually have them lower. And okay. that's just I have Amon six and okay. Asar eight, and that's more just because I haven't seen him as much. Mm-hmm. You're talking me into them a little. Okay, bit. I'm good, gonna say good. that. Yeah. But um, 
And the jump shot's just a question for me. For I, sure. I still think they can be very valuable pieces, and I love what you're saying on the defensive end because I have seen some tape, and they're very good defenders, yeah. very switchable, versatile, yep. and I love those kind of defenders. So I think they'd be excellent role players. I just need them to develop jump shots. What What would you say to me talking about that? Osar for sure. Like, I, I'd be surprised if Osar really hit. Okay. Um, but if he didn't, like, even if he doesn't, hit with the jumper immediately because, you know, all the time, like young players usually, like rookies particularly, usually can't shoot even if they're mm. decent shooting prospects. Like they don't shoot at a very high level. Um, and so I don't think year one Oscar will be able to shoot great. Like I, I wouldn't be surprised if he was like 31% maybe, um, 32% from three. But like even if you just like stuck him, you got a guy like Oscar who I think is like, I mean obviously you don't know for sure, but it feels like he's a really hard worker and he cares a lot. And, you know, it seems like he's really smart. And again, like, He's going to up your pace a lot, that, and which is something that I really like. And um, I feel like that's a key point to a lot of the best offenses in the league is that even after makes, they're moving. Yeah. Um, and I think Osar will completely will bring that to a team immediately. And, ooh, another thing about Osar that I like, like one of the micro skills, he's like the most accurate lob passer, I feel like. Like, Duren's going to would love playing wow, with him. okay. You know what I mean? Like, he's just so accurate. He throws the ball on a dime, it feels like. Um, and you see that with the hit-ahead passes, too, like I mentioned. Uh, but yeah, like he'll need a jumper, I think, to really be like a really good starter. Okay, that that would be my take. I mean, I think could be an all star level guy without it. Uh, but again, if he if he does get it, like look out, he'll probably be the second best guy in this class running away. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. And um, let's move over now to the top. I want to talk about Wembenyama, okay, and Scoo Henderson just a little bit. Yeah, talk to me about just how rare it is to have like these two prospects in the same draft, and just how talented these guys are really you know it's interesting i'm excited to watch more scoot but what i've watched is definitely really really you know insane um especially like i mentioned like i've kind of really honed in on his offense thus far and i really want to take a look at his defense because like if his defense is what i think like it could be maybe if it's there you know faster already or there's a more of it than you know i anticipate because he is, he's six two, like, and that's definitely the knock on him. But he has a six nine wingspan, and he's a crazy athlete, and he's really smart. So it feels like he should be like a decent defender. However, six two is still going to get you targeted a little bit. Um, but yeah, like he'd go number one, I think, in a lot of classes. I think that there's at least a quite like Zion's probably a better prospect. Cade is probably a better prospect. Maybe the defense will move me in another direction. But outside of that, like. Like, he would have went number one last year, I think. I feel pretty confident about that. Yeah, um, I feel like he's very most, similar. It feels like he could go number one in a lot of seasons. I feel like he's very similar as a prospect, probably just like a tad better prospect-wise than Markel Fultz. Interesting. Like, well, I Markel, think, I think, had more of the jumper maybe. Yes, like, more of the jumper, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I understand, like, that's not a bad, co- like, I think that they're probably neck and neck. Yeah. Um, I've sort of, like, you know, all the small guard, the small athletic guards kind of get thrown, like Derrick Rose and John Wall. Um, come to mind a little bit and uh-huh. I understand that especially John Wall because I think the passing with John Wall yes. is similar to yeah. Scoots as opposed to Derrick Rose but yeah I think he's definitely a guy that could go number one in a lot of drafts um, and Wembenyama obviously just like he's the best defensive prospect I think ever, like since I've been <laughs> ever probably there's no way that he's not a defensive player of the year guy like by year two yeah um, he's seven five and is mobile and has good shot timing like there's nothing 
There's no way. Like he's gonna bend the geography or uh, the <laughs> geometry, not geography. He's gonna bend the geometry of the court, I think, in ways that we've never really seen. Um, and like to me, it just feels like like think about how long a career Bo- Boban has had just by like being tall. Yep. And like having okay touch yep. around the hoop. Like, and he's like sort of valuable, and he's like a pretty good offensive player. And most of that is just from he's tall. Well, now you have that guy, the guy who's like that tall, but then also he can dribble and shoot and you know pass um, and get to where he wants on the court. Yeah, um, I mean, he's literally the perfect prospect for pretty this much, type yeah. of NBA. Which yeah, I mean, he's the perfect prospect for probably any NBA, <laughs> but especially this one. Uh, yeah, like it's because his floor, is, I think that his floor comes from his defense. Yeah. Like it's his floor is super high because defensively he's going to be elite no matter what. Like he's going to have, he's going to put your team, if you were to, ha- he's going to have the Spurs in the top six or seven defenses in the yeah. league throughout his entire career, basically, probably. Um, him and Sohan. That's a pretty fun duo, I think, defensively. Um, and like the ceiling is the offense, which is where, you know, he can handle at seven five and he's a matchup nightmare and nobody can really guard him. And you can just kind of hope to like maybe make him struggle a little bit, but he's going to be able to shoot over everybody. And he has a pretty good jumper and it's still improving. And he takes a bunch of shots that, you know, people have never seen before. Yeah. Like one leg three pointers and he's <laughs> drop stepping from the free throw line and stuff like, yeah, it's, it's insane. I don't even, yeah, I don't even know how to describe it, but he's definitely like a guy that, it's I'm just excited to watch. Like I'm just excited that he exists. Yeah. Yeah, no, 100% and um I mean, is he the best prospect ever? Do you um, think so or do you I think mean, it's Well, so like Kareem Kareem was probably like the best player in the world as like a sophomore in college. Yeah. <laughs> like like yeah. that's probably how that went down. Uh like as a freshman he tore up Kansas's like varsity team who won a bunch of or uh UCLA, excuse me, UCLA's varsity team who won a bunch of titles. And um, as, you know, a high schooler, he was whatever, like him and like <laughs> Wilt. I don't know. Like, how do you even talk about them as prospects? I yeah. guess Kareem's probably the best prospect ever. But I think him compared to LeBron, it's a little bit different because I don't know that Wemby will be like, like LeBron is the lead ball handler that'll make every single decision throughout a game if you want him to be. And Wemby's not that type of guy. Like, I don't think that he's, I don't think the idea of just having Wemby and four shooters right now, maybe he gets to that point. Like, just Wemby and, like, you know, decent role players is going to give you a top-five offense. Like, yeah. he's probably not that type of guy. And maybe you value that more. And you know that LeBron has the play strength and things. Like, he's always going to stay healthy. And I feel pretty confident that Wemby will be more healthy than people give him credit for. Um, it seems like a lot of people think that he'll just be, like, this injury real dude yeah. his entire career. I don't think that that'll be the case. Like, I think maybe Kevin Durant level okay. of, like, you know, struggle. Like, maybe some injuries towards the back line, but, like, relatively healthy. He clearly cares a lot about his body and staying healthy. And he clearly has a program for it that he's been, you know, locked into for a long time. Um, but, yeah, I, you know, Ceiling's definitely best player in the league, one of the best players in the world, or best players ever. 100%. I mean, if not the best prospect top three yeah easy, i think so know? like definitely the best that i've you know, yeah like i've been around like i I was alive when lebron got drafted however exactly. i did not know that he existed yeah i mean i was just born you know yeah. <laughs> right so like you know um lebron he was crazy from the stories we hear yeah know? i mean i get it and i've watched some of his high school games before like yeah you can definitely i think it's fair to be like yeah lebron's better yeah I, of course that's fine yeah 100 I mean. percent. all right so we've talked about really the top of the draft a lot, mm-hmm. and I did actually have one question, and that's Brandon Miller. Okay, why are you so low on Brandon Miller? Because on mine, I have him three, three. and on most of everybody's classes, it they feels have like him three. he's three or two. Yeah. and I, I think that that like I understand. I think that his floor is really really high. Like he's you know six eight six nine, 
will definitely be able to shoot. Like, you feel really confident in that. And will probably be at least a neutral defender. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I see, like, great, like, Paul George-level defense that some people seem to sort of have thrown on him. Um, I don't think that that's really the case. Like, his play strength's not great. He's not the most, like, agile, mobile guy defending on the perimeter. I think he'll be able to guard his position and do a pretty good job of it. Um, and I don't think that he's got, like, crazy instincts or anything like that that would prop him up. Um, but the reason that I have him maybe towards, like, six is, you know, he's just not – a guy that's really can get to the rim consistently. And I think that that sort of, you know, he's not a guy that can get to the rim consistently and he's not going to be like your number. I don't see any world where he's the number one on like a, on like a good team. Um, I think that his, his ceiling's a little bit lower than I think people give him credit for. Um, I'm not really sure what the comp is necessarily. I, like, but it's definitely not Paul George. <laughs> like, yeah, I yeah can, no, I can it's not Paul George. He is not Paul George. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just worry that he's not going to be able to create Great, like enough space to be a super consistent score, and I worry that he's not going to be able to get to the rim enough to be a super consistent score. Um, and you know he'll knock down threes, and he'll be you know a really good, I think, really good role player is my expectation for him. Sub All Star, positive starter. You know, I could I could see him being not like this caliber, but I could see him being similar to like a Clay play style. Interesting, where he's see, a very good perimeter defender, but he's a shooter off ball. You know, and like that kind of play style, maybe not clay. That's the thing I was going to say. Yeah, like not clay, clay isn't clay. Clay it's just is like clay. But like if you're clay. if you're throwing names out like of stars that like he his play you know, style. The idea be. of being like a three and D sort of guy like is in the cards. I just don't think that he's going to be like clay was like all defense. Almost. Like, he yeah, was, yeah, he was a really good defender. I don't think Brandon Miller is going to be that at all. OK, um, which is fair. I don't think that he's going to get to that level. He's what just not what that would your comp, quite to, comp be then? Dude, like if you had to. Because I, I feel like he's no more idea. of a shooter. He is more of a but, shooter, uh, but he's not creating. Yeah, and he's not really creating. He's not moving shots. off ball. Like, he can move off ball, and he's pretty good at it. Not like Clay, though. And I no. think Clay is special. But like Clay's, a, Clay's, Clay's different. Clay's a special shooter, I think. It's that's hard different. to find it, though, because I, don't think I do think he's going to be a solid defender in the league. Decent Be- defender. Yes. Pretty good shoot, like good good shooter. Yeah, you know, good good shooter. One percent from three or something like that. Like uh-huh. decent volume, averages nineteen to twenty a game. That's probably where. That's probably my my estimation for him. Yeah, um, and that's a good. That's a really good player. Don't get me exactly. wrong. I just think that there's. I think that he's a lot more limited than pe- uh-huh. like than a top five pick maybe normally would be. Um, a comp for him. It's tough. It is it's tough. Really tough. I'm trying to think of a guy. Imagine if. Uh, Okay, yeah. Imagine if Laurie Markkinen was four inches shorter. I like that. But he move. He can move a little bit more. Like I like Laurie. That. Kind of. He gets downhill a little bit. Probably a little bit more than Brandon Miller does. And I think that he draws free throws at a little bit higher rate than Brandon Miller will. But like Laurie Markkinen kind of makes his bread and butter like coming off screens, off ball, like doing a pretty decent job of that and using his length to impact things in that way. Um, decent rebounder, like decent play, like decent passer. Laurie's not great. Brandon Miller's probably a better passer, but I think offensively, like, maybe that could be it. I don't know that it'll be – Laurie Markkinen was really good this season, and I don't know if Brandon Miller will be that good. Um, but maybe like that. Maybe Turbo Boyan Bogdanovich. Okay. That's where I'll go with it. Okay. A little cross-racial cop. You don't get those often. <laughs> yeah. We don't – yeah, no, that's um, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, Turbo Boyan. That's that's where I'll go. <laughs> Turbo Maybe Boyan. not quite the shooter that Boyan is, but, like, sort of, like, in that way that he's just, like, a really good shot maker and you can run plays for him and – 
He'll be way better than Boyan on defense, though. 100%. All right. So now I want to talk about some sleepers. Okay. Some ones later in the draft that yeah. you see that you like a lot. All right. I wrote I wrote a couple of these ones down. Okay. Um, because I, I wanted to get a better feel for their game. Now, I haven't watched all the guys yet. Um, and the, so these are just a couple of guys that have really caught my eye. And because they caught my eye, I watched them a little bit. And, you know, I've came away liking them. The first one is Brandon Pajemski okay. uh, from Santa Clara, a.k.a. Pods. That's easier to pronounce than people call him pods. Um, but he averaged 20 a game, and he shot 44% from three. He's only okay. 20 years old. He's younger than Brandon Miller. Um, and he's just, like, a really smart player, I feel like. A really smart decision maker in pick and roll. Um, he, the knock on it, he'll probably go, I think he's projected mostly in the 20s. I picked guys that were not invited to the green room. I think okay. they invited like 18 that. players to I the like green that. room. I decided to stick away from many of the guys that they invited. Unless I missed. Unless I, I unfortunately missed in one of these two players. I only did. I only really have two for you. Um, <laughs> But yeah, really smart. A good rebounder is one of the things that I wrote down. Like, he's only he's under six six. I think he measured in at six five and a half. Um, he has a short wingspan, but he's just really smart and has a really high feel for the game. Like he always knows where to be. It feels like and defensively that really pops up. He is bad at keeping the ball in front of him because he isn't very athletic. So that's definitely an area of improvement for him. But he's really smart and he flies around. So like off ball, he's an event creator. He's gonna make plays. He's gonna get steals. He's gonna get blocks. He's gonna get strips. Um, like sort of like Lowry maybe a little bit, uh, but he's bigger obviously. But in that way where Lowry, you know, he's he always knows when to stunt. He always knows when to get back. He always knows when to maybe blitz, when to send a double. It feels like he always has his thumb on the game a little bit defensively um, in a way that most guys don't, especially ones that aren't super athletic. Interesting. Um, okay. And he, again, isn't the most athletic guy. He's not the quickest dude, but he's really shifty and he has really good start and stop, like we mentioned earlier with like Shea, for example. So I feel like he'll be able to get to the rim at a decent level um, starting and stopping. And again, like he's just a really smart high field player and i feel comfortable betting on guys that are young smart and can really really shoot so yeah uh, i feel like he's a guy that will probably go in like maybe the mid-20s but i would probably draft him a lot higher than that 100 percent. i uh, mean that's very interesting i didn't watch too much of santa clara but i do know that's where Jalen williams was yes from, who i also really like yeah, yeah yeah i mean like it seems like santa clara they're just finding these guys that are high iq players yep. that can defend that can um you know, like create plays and, mm -hmm. you know, like good for them. Yeah. You know? Yeah, man. Uh, he's, he's a pretty fun player. I, I'd, I'd advise checking him out. I guess if I had to do a comp, I saw somebody say Goran Dragic and I think that's decent. Um, definitely, at least offensively. I think that that's not bad. Um, Goran Dragic, but hopefully a better shooter than Goran Dragic. I would imagine that he's a better shooting prospect than Goran Dragic, but I don't remember. Okay. Goran Dragic is a prospect. Yeah. Uh, and then I got one more for you. Who didn't right. get invited? I'm surprised he wasn't invited because I feel like normally I see him around the top 20, but Bryce Sensabaugh from Ohio State. Okay. Okay. Um, defensively, a little bit scarce. I will say that. Uh, I don't know that he'll ever be even a neutral defender. Um, but I don't think it's out of the cards at all for him to be like a 24 point per game, 25 points per game. Like he's just such a good shooter. Um, he shoots from three with volume. He shoots from mid range with volume. Uh, he does it off the dribble. He does it contested, uncontested. He can create space. Um, and it's not just that he can create space like in the normal ways. Like, you know, he's he does have wiggle, but it's not crazy wiggle. But he's also got like a little bit of girth to him, like mm -hmm. uh, like young mellow sort of where, you know, he's probably going to be stronger than you. And if he gets into your chest, you're going to feel it. Um, he's got a little bit of that to him. He's got some some stuff with him um but he you know can score from anywhere can shoot over guys tough shots are not a problem at all but he can also get open and knocks down open it feels like it's a layup if he's open from three quick a super quick release can finish at the hoop um and yeah just like that combination of strength a little bit of girth um 
ball handling and shooting, it feels like again, like there's no way he's not a good offensive player to me. Um, just the efficiency that at which he shoots is pretty special, and you don't find it really ever in guys his age. Yeah, I mean, that's another good one. I mean, I didn't even think of him, to be honest. But, like, Ohio State always gives you those guys that – I mean Malachi Brandom last yes, year. Yes, that's know? a perfect comparison. Is Malachi Brandom so much? That's know? a great. That's a great comparison. Yeah. I think. Um, like Ohio State, they they just find these wings that are really talented. And I'm trying to think of some others from Ohio State. I mean, I'm thinking of old ones like Evan Jared, Turner, Jared Sullinger, <laughs> Jared Sullinger. <Evan> Turner. Yeah. <laughs> but um, he's got a little bit of Jared Sullinger <laughs> to him, and the fact that he's uh, he got a little more stomach than most teams would want to see, but. Uh, yeah, he can. He's just a hooper. Like he just, he can hoop. He's yeah. gonna give you. He's gonna score thirty four in a summer league game. That's my prediction for Bryce Sensible. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. All right, you want to hear a couple of mine? Yes. Please. Okay. All right. So, I just this isn't really a sleeper, but I just love him and I love Casey Wallace. Okay. Okay. He's gonna be up. Not there. a sleeper, but yes. Not I, a sleeper. I love him too. Yeah. Not he's a sleeper. Probably, he'll I just be in my top ten for sure. I just had to write him down. Mm-hmm. I just love his defense, and yeah. versatility, and I just kept watching Kentucky games. And I was offensively like, too, like I think that he's a little bit underrated offensively to me. Like he can shoot, like he can make shots, and he can get to the rim, um, and he can pass a little bit. And like, you, like the defense is the selling point, but I yeah. still feel good about him as an offensive player. Yeah, like I just kept watching Kentucky games, and I was like, this is the only guy that knows how to like play. <laughs> like that's uh, that play. It was abrupt. You know? I watched their like when they played Michigan State earlier uh-huh. in the year. It was a. Br- I remember texting like a couple of my friends are being like, like, you know, the season was starting. I was like, ah, I kind of st- like it's not as fun watching Kentucky because it doesn't feel like they have any top twenty guys. And then I think at halftime I was like, actually, Case Wallace, <laughs> actually, Case and Wallace, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right, so I got two more for you. Colby Jones from Xavier. I've heard, I've heard, but we've, I haven't watched yet. We've talked a lot about him on the podcast because I have a lot of Xavier guys that um are from there, and they love Colby Jones. Fantastic yeah. shooter. Yep. He can defend. He'll have that, like, 3 and D type player there. In the tournament, I thought he was meh. He didn't play the greatest, and that's where I really watched college basketball a lot because mm-hmm. I was zoned in on Oakland all year. Uh-huh. But, um... Really, like, with him, I just think the shooting's going to translate, and I think he's going to have that body to really be an impact role player. I think he's 6'6". Okay. And, um, I mean, not the best height you want, from uh, three and D like wing type, but it's pretty but good. I mean, it's if, pretty good. You know, you two know? or three, like yeah. I think that I don't know. I haven't watched him yet, but yeah. I mean, that definitely sounds intriguing. Like you mentioned, just kind of three and D. That's a great basis to build something off. Of. Exactly. I really like looking at the wings, and this leads me into actually my next one is Gigi Jackson. From, uh, I wanted uh, to mention South him Carolina. Too. I want to mention <laughs> yeah, him too. No, I love he's, him. Yeah, he's I awesome. love him. You know, youngest guy in the draft. Yeah, be the youngest player in the NBA, and it's just like, like he has a handle and jumper. And I feel like when you're that young and he has a like he has a good NBA body. So when you're that young with that sort of body and that frame and you can dribble and it feels like, you know, you have He's a, a good, really good shooter too. Yeah, 100%. you have a jumper that'll translate, you can handle any other body like at that age, it feels like that's a really good bet to me in like the top 20. Yeah. Um but there there's like it's not impossible it seems that he falls even to Detroit at 31. Yeah, which would be awesome because yes. I really think like a guy like Gigi Jackson, where they're young and they reclassify up yep. to play, yep. like they're not going to be that good in they college. Never <laughs> they never are. They never are. It never happens. Yeah. Like even Marvin Bagley, like he wasn't great in college. He just right. had the prospect. You know, he had the build. That's why he stayed up there. Mm-hmm. But like Amoni, yeah, Amoni. Like it just, it just doesn't really work too well for those guys. No. And um, I really think that if he's put in the a right situation where he can. 
you know, develop slowly and uh, under control, I think it's going to be really good for him. Yeah, I agree. I I hope that he goes to a team that's young but can, like, sort of put those resources into him developing a little bit. Um, Because I I agree that he is a really, really exciting player. Uh, I wish that he played at, like, the Combine or something. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, just to get a better feel for him around that sort of – like, that consistent talent. And, you know, he he shot a lot. Uh, He wasn't super efficient. But that's to be expected from a guy his age to me. Um, and, you know, I, I agree. Like, I think that that's another guy, like, that's a good bet, you know, late in the first round of a guy that, like, could become a really valuable player. Yeah, 100%. All right, let's move in to the last thing, okay? okay. And that is the Detroit Pistons. The Pistons. We got to right, discuss great. it. We're sitting at five, sadly. We missed out on the Wemby and the uh, Scoo Henderson train. So I want to hear it from you. And we heard it a little bit with Amon. You really like Amon. I do. But let's say Ahmed's off the board. Okay. Okay. <laughs> what are we doing at five? Well, Jarius is really tantalizing to me, as mm-hmm. I mentioned earlier. And Osar. Like, I, I think the thing about Osar that excites me a lot about him with the Pistons is that I think that Jaden Ivey and Jalen Duran would love playing with him. Okay. That's where, that's like kind of the thing that I've honed in on is that, yeah, like there's definitely more questions with him. But Duran is going to love having a guy like that who's so, you know, he's such a quick processor and he's going to make passes and he's going to throw him on a dime. And if he is getting downhill and it's a situation where it might be a two on one, you know, if we're running some sort of pick and roll with Osar rolling, which I think is an exciting idea, and Jalen Duran's in the dunker spot, Osar is going to put that ball on the money every time and he's going to have the sort of gravity as a roll man. That you'll need to to you know initiate that type of thing and to be successful, um, and with Jay Nivey, also again like I mentioned, he's going to completely change your offense and make it go. Like he's going to be you're going to be running a lot with Oscar Thompson, and I think that Jay Nivey could definitely thrive in that yeah. type of you know situation. And Jay Nivey's a good half court player too, but I think that you know the more that Jay Nivey gets out and runs, probably the better for the Pistons. One hundred percent. Like I like that. Especially the running aspect, because that's where I think Ivy would thrive 100%. Because there's times where he's just going too fast, man. Yeah, but I think, <laughs> that he, I think that he figured it out the back half of the year especially. And not just because like he figured that part out and the game slowed down to him, which it did. But also, I think that he felt really comfortable taking pull-up jumpers. Mm-hmm. Because they, they started going in more. Really. Yeah. Um, and so that kind of gave him a sense of groundedness throughout mm-hmm. the year, I think. And that's really exciting. I think that... You know, I liked Ivy a lot as a prospect, but, you know, the question, the shooting wasn't a question, but I didn't expect, like, I knew that he'd be able to shoot, but I didn't think he'd be able to shoot at this level. And so, like, it really excites me that I think that Ivy has a chance to be, like, a 40% guy. Yeah, I mean, that's, what, that's what we wanted. Yeah, that's what sure. we wanted. And, like, a mid-range him. jump shooter, too. Like, he, he didn't show that at all in college. And now, you know, first year with the Pistons, he was hitting pull-up mid-range jumpers at a really, really high clip. And that's why I was so high on Ivy, because, like, if, if that shot develops and with that athleticism on the defensive end and the passing, like, I was Yeah, the passing is the, the, passing the passing was awesome. College. I think that the defense is the big question for me right now. I think last year it was pretty horrid. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, I don't, like, just based off a of rookie season, like, it's tough for me to see Ivy as, like, a positive defender ever. Yeah. But, I mean, maybe he can get there. Like you mentioned, he's really athletic. But he is pretty small, and I don't know. You know, he gets moved around, and he's just – out of position all the time. But yeah, maybe maybe Monty coaches him up and he fixes it a little bit. I mean, Devin Booker took a big leap defensively under Monty yeah. you know, over those years, so maybe maybe Ivy will too. But, uh, you know, that was a struggle year one, and that's my biggest question mark probably with him going forward. Where do you see the Pistons next year? Uh, next year, 
you know, it's tough because who knows how big of an impact Monty Williams will have. I really do think Dwayne Casey was just absolutely horrible. So maybe, <laughs> so maybe that changes a lot. But I think that if you, you know, a reasonable jump from Cade and Ivy and Duran, and I think, like, Killian will take a decent jump under Monty as well um, and be more consistent. Uh, and, you know, so hopefully he, we kind of see him in more roles, maybe off the ball a little bit more where he can be, you know, his defense – is really his calling card to me, the defense and the passing, and maybe off the ball, like, you know, he doesn't isn't asked to score as much, and so the positives really shine through. Um, I, I still probably see them 29 to 30-ish wins, 28, 29, 30 wins. Um, it's just tough when the anchor of your defense is 19, yeah. I think, is really the big problem. I don't see a world where this defense isn't in the bottom six or seven of the league. Um, and there's a world where it's really bottom three. Um, that that wouldn't surprise me at all because just looking at all the other bottom sort of dwelling teams, like our defense might be better than the Rockets. I think that that's fair. Outside of that, like just of the bottom dwelling, t- the, the Spurs defense is going to be good. They got Wemby. Mm-hmm. Um, the Charlotte defense is going to be good. They were really good the back half of the year. Second best defense, I believe, in the league the second half of the season or after the new year maybe it was. Yeah. Or the All-Star break. It was after the All-Star break. Um, so, like, you know, all those teams are going to have pretty good defenses. I don't know who will pass. Probably have better defense than the Mavs, <laughs> I guess, is the other one. Like, it's probably going to be in the bottom five or six, and it's hard to win a lot of games when your yeah. defense is really bad. So, that's fair. How about you? Um, see, I'm thinking similar. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking a little bit. A little bit up from last year, but yes. I'm not getting too excited. Yeah, I mean, 17 wins is horrible. Exactly, <laughs> like, exactly. It's like it's got to be a little low, better. We're at a very low start. It's got to be. Right it's got to be a little better. I'm seeing. Be better. I'm seeing more that like a, a Matt Griffin guarantee. Takes <laughs> is that we will be better than this year. I'm seeing a little more like 25 wins, maybe 25. I think that it also depends on who we get in free agency and things yeah. like that. Like. It's very early. It's yeah. very early. We don't you know, know yet. We don't know Cam where Johnson we're going to go. Might account for a couple more wins than I'm you know. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. Kata Bates job or, or like a Jeremy Grant, but he'll he'll probably steal yeah. all the shots if he comes. <laughs> no, <laughs> but <laughs> you know, I think I think he's grown. I think okay. That I hope case. so. I don't think that that'll be so much the case anymore. I hope, I hope. so. I hope so. All right. Well, Matt, thank you so much yeah, it was for fun, joining man. the pod. I'm happy this, to do it. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. Sometime this summer. Yeah, I mean maybe. Maybe after free agency, we'll yeah, have to talk free about agency the teams, I'm with that. Know? I'd be excited to do that. Yeah, that'd be a lot of fun. All right, well, I'd like to thank Matt Griffin for joining the show, and we're going to be out of here. Yeah. Peace. Peace.